Hello and welcome back to another episode of Seek Therapy Podcast. It's me, Jasmine. And America. And Jasmine Ty. And we are back, baby. So how's everybody been? What's been our highlight? What's been our challenge? Um, you know, not be starting. So my challenge has been um just like a lot of minor inconveniences that made me just kind of blow up not like a huge blow up but just like it felt just exhausting it was just like enough this has been enough um so did I talk to y'all about Oakland Mm-mm. you told you were there yeah yeah I was there and then I was not <laughs> <laughs> take that how you will um but my highlight was Oakland also because I got to spend time with one of my closest friends who I don't get to see um, that often and her boyfriend and Joe. Um, and so that was very nice. Um, and I needed a whole nother break after that break. Um, so you know how that goes. <laughs> but yes, how has your week been, America? Let me know. Let me in. My week has gone well. Um, challenges, I would say, well, it's been two weeks. So the only real challenge that stands out is that IFS training. Um, and I think it stands out as a challenge for numerous reasons. But the biggest one is just the time constraint. Baby, next time I tell y'all I'm signing up for some shit, remind me to see what all is required. Because... Um, even though I didn't tell y'all I was signing up for it, but it's because I was applying and I didn't want to talk about it if I didn't get in. But um, shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello? I must just uh, just a click to fly. I didn't pay anything right. else in attention. Um, but just the time around that of seeing people all week and then going into the training all weekend, and then it's 90 hours total of mm. training. So that will also require um a couple of weekday night practice group situations and then i think it's three more weekends maybe four more weekends um so that's a challenge just being in that space it's only three or four of us that identify mm, it's only three or four of us you can look at and you know for a fact um <laughs> so <laughs> that makes the the uh, interaction is interesting, but I think they did a really good job of the practice groups and making sure you were with folks who you could uh, relate to and you look like. So I give them credit for that. Um, and just the fact that overall, it's very much take care of yourself. So I had my camera off and I walked on my walking pad those three days. So that was helpful. It helped me stay focused to a certain extent. But anyway, that's the challenge. Um, Highlights. I got lots of highlights this week, y'all. Oh, come on now. Let me save, save, save some for next episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me ration them out a little bit. Okay. Um, so my first one is baby, it's February the 5th, and I still ain't had a drink. Okay. Um, yes. so made it through drive to January. do it. Okay. Um, and still not having a drink. 
I planned out the times I will drink between now and Fourth of July. So oh, that wow. I know seems kind of mm, whatever. Feels nice. Um, it feels like it both kind of gives me something to look forward to and a way to hold myself accountable and discipline and all the other stuff. Um, oh, let me be clear. This is not because I have a drinking issue. Even though if you do have a drinking issue, there's nothing wrong with it. Just do what you need to do. But this is more so just discipline and my body health stuff in general. Mm-hmm. So, um, I love that for you. Thank you, girl. No, for real. <laughs> um, baby, my waist is getting smaller because this bra is getting bigger. Okay? I know that's right. <laughs> so it means the work is working. Okay. Yeah. Um, good about that. Check that off. And then I'll save the other ones for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Jasmine, let us answer what's been going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a challenge has just been juggling work and then going back to school myself, mm-hmm. coming out of this leave of absence. So I'm trying to start lesson planning and being organized and being on top of my shit because it's about to get real. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do people say they're in their senior year of their graduate program? Is that a thing? I don't yes. know. Senior okay. I is real in grad school, too. Okay, yes. perfect. So I have <laughs> two more core classes, my two minor classes, and then my 3,000 hours in SC. <laughs> Not that SC. And then, <laughs> she said, and then my little 3,000. I said. Because that takes two years. Well, but I just. And get, and zone, you're talking you know? about 3,000 hours for licensure or what are you talking about? Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I guess for me, it's that transition of like class work versus field work. And, you know, and getting to that point. Cause I remember signing up for this and being like, (laughs) I made it so far away. (laughs) (laughs) We're just like, yeah, cause I'm out here in the field, girl. I don't know which one is first, to be honest. Right. Yeah, so it's it's been a challenge organizing myself, holding myself accountable and not letting like the anxiety of it all, but kind of looking forward to this new chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's going to require me to just shake some of this old shit off. Why I was going to say shake some of these titties. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess you do like shake your titties when you're shaking it off. Right, 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 right. Shake it up. <laughs> America is done. Um, and I would say a highlight for me this week, I connected with people. <laughs> I got out of the house. Come on, friend. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, this past week feels good. I had a really good conversation with my younger cousin yesterday just about goals and dreams and finishing up school and mom. Nice. And- you know, just mm-hmm. yeah. So shout out to Nzinga. Um, and I need hey. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love that. And I also have to stop and say I love your sweater because I'm a leopard lady. So of course, you're a very very much so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love all the green. So you know. <laughs> 
Um, but y'all know I love to put people onto new things that I'm reading, working out to, listening to. So let's go ahead and get into new new. What's new with you, boo? Oh, I like that. Um, well, I probably should have thought of this. Um I will just say like making sure that you are scheduling all of your yearly exams. Um, it's a good time to start making sure you're going to the doctor. I went to the doctor, got my uh, teeth cleaned, you know, just staying on top of your health and making sure that you are prioritizing that piece too, because I know how easy it is to look up and it's been years since you've been to X, Y, and Z. And so now is a good time to just take care of that and set up them appointments. Do that shit. I can't remember if I said one of these new news before, so I'm just gonna say one of them. Um, my new news has been my. I feel like I said it already. Oh well, to hell with it. I'm gonna say it again, so y'all don't be listening no way. The first one is <laughs> my new news is a sauna blanket. No, I've never heard no. you say that. Okay, good. Uh, so. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so I've been using, y'all know, one thing I'm gonna do is spend some money on some shit. So, um, I really enjoy, at this point, I really enjoyed, um, the sauna at the gym. However, I wear a mask at the gym. And so being in the sauna with the mask, really not giving what it's supposed to give. Um, Mm -mm. and it's giving Death Valley. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, It's bad enough trying to squat and right, like mask on. Baby, I'm not finna sit in a sauna too Mm-mm. and stress myself out even more. Heart rate be crazy too, like this. Get somewhere. Anyway, so <laughs> I got a sauna blanket. It's really nice. Um, now walk me through it real quick because yeah. I ain't never heard of this blanket. Think, think, um, sleeping bag, but the inside is insulated. Um. It's almost like a the little feeling on the inside, like how it, mm-hmm. the insulation is okay. on the uh, like a sweatsuit. Yes, there we go. Sweatsuit, lunch bag, whatever. Think about that. And so you just go in, you plug it up, you wait until it heats up, you shimmy in. You can zip yourself in, but shimmy in, and you just lay and do whatever. So I've been it's, using that along with reading. And how much? How much is the one you bought? Because I'm on Amazon. Options. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't ask how much are the options. Because I'm looking, it's a wide range. It's a 169 for, I'm assuming, cheap. At to $600. So. so there's a wide range. Um, <laughs> we'll say this is my second one. My first one may or may not have melted. Melt, but that were you in it when it melted? No, and I didn't. I did something to tell you not. So it was, but I got my. So (laughs) (laughs) I thought the sound went out. (laughs) So girl, yeah, I did what you you know I. I wanted it to be hotter, and it wasn't working for me. So I was like, "Oh, let's try." Also, I just know. 
dogs, cats, and babies know when you're doing something. <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted it hotter, so I did some makeshift stuff. Nigga rigged it. Nigga rigged it. It melted. So, you know, I did what needed to be good. So, I'm back with another one. <laughs> and what about you, Jasmine? Oh, What's new with you, boo? <laughs> I'm still cracking say, up. Oh my god! I would say my new new is uh, so when I dropped Pilates, I joined Diva Dance. Period. I really like it. What you say? To she me? dropped like last month. Yeah, December? like coming into the new year. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I finished out my last sessions. She said she was paying like a hundred and some. 180 some dollars for that. Yeah, I wasn't having yeah. time to go. No, I was still going, but it was just like it was, it was, it was a bill. It was a bill. <laughs> it was a bill. <laughs> it was a yeah. whole bill. So, Diva Dance, I signed up right before the end of the year and snagged there. I, I paid less than half than I was paying for Pilates, and it's unlimited. So as wait, long as like the song wait, is popping, I'm you there. was paying two hundred dollars and it was a limited Pilates. It was eight sessions for two hundred. Reformed Pilates is expensive. It's I a bill. Want, I don't want to chime in on yours, but we went to a free Pilates two weeks ago, and Club I was gonna, Pilates. Yeah, I and I was going to get a membership, but that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was a member of. I said, no, I don't mind spending money, but help me understand. You can't book between now and the next four weeks, and the unlit like there was every class was full for now to a month out, and you only pay two hundred dollars for unlimited. I was I'm not I was regularly waitlisted, and when you're waitlisted, uh-uh. you have to cancel to get on. Yeah, because uh-uh. there's only in the studio there's only what maybe ten to twelve machines in there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then I was like, well, they cater a lot towards women who Gotta have the access to class in the middle of the day. Stay so after five o'clock classes, I mean, they yeah. book up real fast. So it just, it wasn't conducive for my budget for right. going when I wanted to go ideally to, right. you know. Goals. Right. Yeah. So. I but I enjoy Diva Dance. Their uh, motto is community and confidence. Period. And yeah, it's just it's dope. And so what it's what it's forcing me to do, which I didn't expect, is like get back in tune with my body. Because I'm like, okay, am I a counter? Am I a boom cat cat? Am I singing <laughs> the song? You know what I mean? Right. Like, what are we doing? Right. So oh, I be in there yeah. making the band myself real quick. I feel you. Boom. Better get it. No. Cat, cat. All that. What was the last song <laughs> y'all did? Last song we did was Single Ladies. Oh, and come on, getting you ready. Took, girl, it took everything in me not to be hitting that original choreography. To right. like break my mind out of like, because we weren't necessarily doing that. So yeah. But it's been a few different ones. They have uh, <laughs> America. Um, and so... <laughs> So they have different varieties. So uh, there's like pom-poms. So it's like, it's given NFL cheerleader, choreo. They have chair dances. They encourage you to bring your heels. 
they just this month they're going to try out a floor routine so they encourage you to bring knee pads Um, are y'all about to be humping the floor i'm sure for that class the way my hip flexes are set up i'm not ready (laughs) (laughs) the way these 30s coming through right so yeah but i'm i'm enjoying it and it's a lot friendlier to my budget yes and you're still getting your needs met right we love it we love it you know what else we love ending systematic racism Mm. won't she say it mic drop (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah it's just been a lot being black in the u.s as of late as of early as of every day um and so i thought it would be helpful to just kind of give us a space to be black (laughs) to talk about how fucked up it is that we are dying in our homes that we're being treated differently in 2023 you know and people feel like there's been so much progress made when there's like a literal war on the niggas at my job. (laughs) It's a war. It is. Why is all the niggas at my job (laughs) being targeted? Myself included, honey. It's a war. (laughs) And we got, we got to be ready to fight at all costs. I'm sorry. Okay, hold on. Okay. Shout out to Ashwagandha because baby in the last month, I done laughed so fucking. I love Ashwagandha. That's that girl. And I'll be laughing about shit that ain't even really funny, so I'm sorry. Um, but how are they under how are y'all under attack? What's going on? You know, it's really just like them minding our business. I'm sure y'all saw that TikTok that I, that I America. <laughs> that TikTok that I posted where the girl was like, I'm gonna do a quick lesson. Okay. This is my personal bubble and this is your personal bubble. Yeah. This is my business. Right. The only problem is you are also here in my business Mm -mm. and that's how i feel at my job because not only do these motherfuckers not know what i do um because i just actually found out what i should be doing (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I meant to tell y'all that we had a meeting and my uh, supervisor was like, yeah, you should only be seeing the kids three or four, three to five times a year. I said, <laughs> oh, I was doing three to five times a week. I was going to say, how often were you seeing them? I said, me and these motherfuckers be kicking it. <laughs> <laughs> We be Ooh. we be talking like. So did they not hire a licensed therapist to do the work of a licensed therapist? So they want me to provide like brief counseling and then refer them out to other places, and I've been trying to refer them to other places, but hello, systematic racism is raggedy fucking places, and they are not working in a way that is helpful. 
And so it's just raggedy as fuck. So I'm like picking up the slack because I'm like, I want these kids. Like, I'm here to be a resource. Why Why would I not? So now I'm like, do I just need to start? Like, I don't know what to do. Because if a kid comes to me and wants to talk to me, I'm not going to be like, oh, sorry, I saw you for your five sessions. Like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so... That brings me back to everybody thinking they know what I should be doing, myself included, (laughs) (laughs) and trying to add tasks and things like that, that they're not adding to other people. And so I have brought that up in meetings. I'm like, excuse me, uh, the other PSW, uh, she's not being asked to do this task. So I'm just having a hard time understanding why this is falling on my lap. (laughs) and they don't like that because I'm supposed to just do what they say and is it because I'm black like I should be lucky that I have this job no y'all should be lucky that I'm here because I could just be a therapist I mean that's true but you know how those spaces corporate academia it really don't matter where you are if you are a black woman in a quote professional setting the expectation is always that you are supposed to go in you smile you grin and bear you do what people tell you to do you don't ask no questions right if you are a social worker or therapist you really just are a martyr so you take on extra work you don't have any boundaries you work past your time you take on everything you don't say shit you just do it so america defining everything i'm not okay so you that's what they expect from you and you're doing the opposite of that and so you're disrupting the expectation which I love because I can be honest. I, you know, I'm very much motherfucker this and rah rah this. But most of the jobs I've gone into, I didn't disrupt. I went in and well, at first I would go in. Okay, I'm gonna pay attention. I'm gonna see. Same. And then eventually, baby, you got me fucked up. But right. it would be a while before, like now, okay, I'm compromising myself, and I would not have boundaries right. and let them say and do whatever. So I love the fact that you're going there, like, nah, you're not gonna play in my face. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I was talking about that to Joe at a point, I was like, damn, like, am I doing too much? And I was like, no, (laughs) because I literally have to work there. I drive an hour to be there because I want to work with black kids. So it doesn't make sense for me to be in some bullshit. Right. No, I'm not doing your job for you. No, I'm not working for free. No, I'm not staying late. Sorry, get over it. (laughs) And they can't stand that. And one thing that I can't stand is how the principal has all this. The principal rules the schools, right? (laughs) Rules the schools. And that's literally how they act, right? Like they are a god or something. Um, and says that we should know our students, but none of the students know them. Um, but you know who they do know. They know me. They come up to me during lunch. They come find me after school. They get kicked out of the school 
and still come up there to come see me. And so it is so difficult being in this space because my job is to be Black, <laughs> to be unapologetic, to expose these children to Black culture, to expose them so that they have a healthy sense of identity, cultural identity. And when there we are constantly, and I say we because it happens to me too, are constantly being targeted when other people walk freely doing whatever they want to do, coming and going whenever they want to, it starts to wear on you. I mean, in my therapy sessions, I'll be talking about work a lot. <laughs> and I hate it, you know, because I want to be talking about me and working on the things that I want to work on. But we spend more time at work than we do living, unfortunately. Yep. Mm -hmm. And some of those things are transferable, too, that you are talking about <clears throat> in therapy as it relates to work. But... What's what's happening with the kids? How are the kids being targeted? The kids. So you you watch Euphoria. Yeah. Lord have mercy. You see how the kids dress, or like how teens dress nowadays? Like they be wearing crop, everything, showing all. The black kids dress just like the Mexican kids do sometimes even more modest than that. And they are the ones that are being called by Black people, by Black campus aides. Oh, uh, her outfit is a violation. The same outfit that I just saw little walk by with. Mm. Hmm. And did y'all talk to look? Hmm. I could walk, I go and I told y'all, I go and get my kids. I don't feel comfortable having their name on the walkie. Like, I'll just go to their class and get them and I'll walk them back. As I'm walking, I see plenty of Hispanic kids walking around without a pass, meeting up with their homies. It, it looked like the mall on a Saturday night. Mm. But let a black kid walk by, got a pass, maybe don't got a pass. It's a, it, Oh, I need the BSAP team. Meanwhile, little just walk by and just hit they pin in the bathroom. The audacity. That reminds me of there was a study done. And if you've ever done any like DEI training or racial equity training, like extensively, one of the videos they do is basically like a test to see where your eyes go, right? So like if you're watching a classroom of kids, who are you more likely to pay attention to? And in the big study, of course, it showed that teachers, administrators, their eyes always go to the Black kids first to see the behaviors that the Black kids are exhibiting versus paying attention to the other kids. And I think that's another <clears throat> great example of that. Uh, one child 
can be Hispanic or white or whatever. And because they have lighter skin, it's it's not a concern. But you're are they probably don't even see them if I'm being completely honest. But right. then the black kid or a child with darker skin tone, and the first instinct is, oh, I have to watch them. Let me make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Oh, they're not? Okay, well, then they got to get the hell out or they got to receive some sort of consequence for it. But I think it, what's crazy, though, is administrators move in that way, and they be of color, too. But right. that really speaks to the internalized oppression. Right. It speaks to the anti-Blackness that even Black people have. Spoiler alert. Right. I know people like to think that like we ask and now we can't be racist because racism involves power. And so we cannot be racist, but we can be anti-black. And a lot of us right. show that, especially in professional spaces and how we interact with other black folks. Right. Oh, <laughs> talk about it, because there will be older black social workers that yeah. instead of empower you and be a mentor to you, target you and lie on you and say that you're not doing things you know and it's really just rooted in fucking whiteness and wanting to be accepted mm-hmm. yeah crabs in a barrel syndrome is real um <clears throat> especially as you're talking about the older older black people and then i think sometimes people think they're doing older black people think they're doing younger black people a service right so like oh, I'm going to get on this young black girl who's curvy and make sure that she covers up because I want to protect her. But I'm not going to say the same thing to this lighter skin child because they'll be fine. And so people people can always create a story for whatever the hell they want to create a story for. But the, the way they treat, the way older black people tend to treat younger black folks in a professional setting is fascinating. It's only enough room for me. It is the way, so you don't get to be a part of this too. So I'm gonna pull you down at every turn. I'm gonna find things wrong. I'm gonna complain and talk about how you did this or didn't do that, even if you ain't know you were supposed to do it. And I'm supposed to tell you to do it, right? Do it. That part. Uncomfortable. But a lot of what y'all are saying reminds me of the implicit bias test. Yes. Yeah. And so even when you take the implicit bias assessment, even as a person of color, more oftentimes than not, we end up with that, uh, that skewness towards dark, darker skinned people of that's where our eye goes. Um, Yeah, that's something that's always stuck out to me. I think a lot of with that older generation is they get hung up on, and I I don't want to make a generalization, but hung up on the perception and what it takes to be perceived uh, and taken seriously in white society. And so when you're not following the court to what they believe that perception should be, then it's a problem. Whereas with most of our newer generation, we're not trying to have it. Like, I'm not, I'm not being submissive in public just because the color of our skin is different. You know, like fuck right. that. <laughs> you know, like we didn't come all this way uh, for that bullshit. Right. So, yeah. And that's because they center whiteness, mm-hmm. and they have this idea of professionalism, which we got to remember. 
first of all, professionalism is a construct of white supremacy. But also understanding that for a lot of older folks, centering whiteness and falling in line with this idea of professionalism has allowed them to be able to survive. It's allowed them to be able to reach some sort of social mobility or at the bare minimum feel like they're closer and connected to white people. So you're right. I do think that they have internalized this and they center it in that way. But whether they realize it or not, it's, it's literally for survival. I've been fortunate in my my career uh, with jobs I've had up, up until this point to feel connected to Black women that are also in the workspace, mostly because well, that's nice. Tend, <laughs> like, yeah, mostly because like we tend to be uh, one in a few, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe out of a team of twenty, there might be one, two, or three of us. And I have found more of an experience of walking into a room and trying to make, you know, that finding that sense of community, right? Looking for who right. looks like you or who you can relate to culturally. Right. Um, my last position, I was hired on to do medical record keeping. Um, got really deep into the company, ended up a smaller company. They ended up going into an audit. And long story short, by digging into these records on what was my job description, even though I was being trained in three different departments uh, over my, this is within 90 days, I'm trained in three different departments, an audit comes down for Medicare, and all of a sudden it's, well, you drop the ball in the medical records department because we don't have the records we need for X, Y, and Z. So they needed to prove that there was a valid prescription on file and uh, some other information per patient. Well, as I start digging into this, we'll come to find out your records for most of the patients hadn't been updated since like 2019. And they're supposed to be done yearly. And when I mentioned this in a meeting uh, within the next two weeks, I was moved from my position and swapped with the other Black woman in the office for reception. So then she went to medical records and I went to reception. And that was supposed to, you know, oh, we'll we'll revisit this, you know, in three months. And yeah, now I also will mention that that move was around the time that my cousin passed away. And so they framed it as, well, you're going through a lot. So we're going to take this off your plate. So they they used my personal, you know, and so mm-hmm. rather than feel some type of way towards this older black woman, I just put her on, you like just put it out there, like, hey, when you get in there, this is what you're gonna see. And did it da da. And sure enough, you know, that is what she saw. Um, she felt more of a connection with the company. I soon thereafter moved on um into a position that uh better suits me and and my skill set, but I didn't fault her for uh, wanting to be a part of that, that team. Um, You know, from her perspective, she got the come up, you know, they moved her into a better position, better pay. They essentially, I don't know how you get demoted within your probationary period. (laughs) 
Actually, no. What it was, I take that back. I had crossed the 90 days. And instead of giving me the pay jump that I was deserving for that position, they kept me at the same pay and moved me to reception and then tried to frame it some other kind of way. So what? That's why, because they was wrong as fuck. Oh, of course. And so you wouldn't sue them and collect their ass and get them together. They gave you the same pay and demoted you and tried to be funny. That's what that was. Exactly. So, you know, I, I just, in my experience, I have found it that, um, yeah, I found it more of a, a rally. There was a younger girl that started um, in the reception position soon after me, and I had heard people in the office kind of talking about how she just wasn't on par and, you know, saw her out the hall and kind of just gave her a heads up like, hey, you know, not to get in your shit, but like, I've only been here X amount of days too. This is what I'm hearing around the water cooler. Just FYI. Um, did she curve the behavior? No. Did they soon let her go? <laughs> yes. But just, you know, she tried to help her out. <laughs> no, nah, she said, anyway, they gonna get what I give them. Period. Okay. Yeah. She so, said, even if I do it right, they still gonna talk about me. So, baby, I'm gonna do right, it right. Right. And so, yeah. I, yeah. And there's, that's just the newest. There's been many of a situation. One of my really good friends has a lot of stories with workplace microaggressions and just how it can be being Black in the white workforce. Uh, when we lived in Austin, that was something that, um, I was hip to. That's what I was going to ask because y'all are in the South and I'm in LA. So life is very much so different for me that I would imagine it is for y'all. So what that should do? <laughs> I think it depends. In Texas, it depends. The more metropolitan areas you'll have, the more I don't see color white folks um, mm. and not so much the overtly MAGA white folks, but they're there. Um, I mean, we got them in Orange yeah, County. You know, and so, and the MAGA tend to be like the older who've been with the company long, all that stuff, especially because oil and gas is out here. Um, but I will say that there, in Houston, there's also just a lot of diversity. There's a lot of brown people here. Um, I mean, there's some brown people here yeah. too, but the way that this black and brown, like, it's either you love each other or you think that you're better than us still. Well, I'm in North Carolina. So depending on where you are, you're going to see a wide range of things and you're going to have a very wide range of experiences. So you're going to get the, I know you just took a sheet off five minutes ago, people. And then right. you're going to get the, no, but I, I'm, I'm fake, woke, liberal whites who think that they are willing to give up their privilege in their position of power to ensure that black people have it. But when it comes down to it, they're not. So you got like the, it's a pretty wide thing there. And I've worked in a lot of different places and I, I worked a job where I was the only or the first person in a position and the only black person that they had working there in a clinical capacity. And this is a team of white women who 
just knew that they were woke because they predominantly serve uh, black and brown families and baby, y'all are not woke. Y'all are not supportive. Y'all, uh, it, it was horrendous actually. Um, so it was, I took on more, I was the only one also unmarried and un, uh, without kids. So, you know, I clearly don't have nothing else going on. Um, and yeah. so it was, it was an attempt to exclude from the beginning. Like I made, I made them uncomfortable. Um, and with eventually my supervisor crying after I told her like, baby, you know, you racist, right? Like, you, you know, you racist. No, I love black people. And I was like, but you don't. <laughs> why are you crying? Was, then? Why are you crying? <laughs> and I was like, and let me count the ways. So um, after having those conversations and everybody sitting around crying, I'm still sitting there like, so now what? Because you're crying. Well, bitch, I'm sad too. So what are we going to do? Um, and so having those conversations that, well, we've hired two, I think two or three more oh, black that, women at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, diversity is not the answer. I know y'all think yeah, that if you hire more black people, it's going to make it feel like a community. But the answer yeah. is equity. The answer is inclusion. It's making it where your black staff members feel equally supported. It's making sure that the caseloads are balanced. It's right. making sure that you're not asking your black staff to overextend and overcompensate. It's you're not asking or your giving black them all the high, high, high risk clients. That was my case handle it. Right. That was my caseload. I had the high, and when I say high, baby, I mean the high needs folks where you're so good with their moms and you're so good with the kids and you're really good within their system and you're going in there and you're creating change. I'm like, yeah, don't get it fucked up. I'm that bitch. I can work. I'm going to work. And why is it that I'm the only one on call or why am I having more on call weekends than anybody else? Or you say that uh, nobody has to respond to a crisis in person after five o'clock. It's 9 p.m. And you called me and was like, well, you're going to have to go out there. And they're 45 minutes to an hour away from my house at 9 p.m. Like, maybe we got to start having some honest conversations. Right. I think that I would much rather, honestly, sometimes I'd much rather be around the Trump toting white sheet wearing folks than around the people who think they, right. that they vote and they're not racist. Because the fact of the matter is, I don't care who you are, you are white, you are racist. Why? Because you benefit from the system of racism, period. Right. Period. You benefit from it. And unless you are willing to stop and give up some of your power and some right. of your privilege so that the black people around you are able to be equitable it's just lip service and that's just like did i tell y'all that the white lady at my job was like i feel like i'm treated um better like unjustifiably okay so what you gonna do about that because i had a white girl tell me that too america they don't give me the same stuff they give you i said so what you gonna do about it because it's literally right so what you gonna do so if you see it Imagine how it is feeling it. Exactly. And so let's do something about it. Let's file some grievances. Let's right. use our privilege to right. ensure that we're all being treated the same way. Right. Or next time you have a crisis after five o'clock, you go. You know, I had to go yesterday. So you go. Well, I don't want to do that. So then why are you telling me that you notice the differences if you're not willing to do anything? I say you're just as bad as they are. Don't mm. want to make that bullshit. Don't. And that's just what it boils down to. It's easy right. to talk, but white folks who say they're allies or white folks who 
are administrators for large school systems with a whole bunch of black and brown kids, there's more work to do. Right. 100%. I was telling my mom, I was like, the fact that the principal is who they are and they run the school the way they do, that is scary. Mm -hmm. Because this is people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Babies the people that it. work here, the yeah. people that go to school here, like sometimes school is the only place of safe haven for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <sighs> it's a I I have actually been deep breathing. <laughs> Like when something has been like frustrating, like I legitimately be like, and I was like, damn, that should be hidden. Wait till you start deep breathing and using the voo afterwards, that shit gonna really hit. Is it me? Ooh. Yeah, we can talk about that later, but it's gonna yeah, let me know. Um, how do you all deal with microaggressions? And, you know, we've also talked about how white women have used our content or benefited from our content in a sense um, and not given any credit or anything like that. And so how do you kind of, deal with that because for me when i started my practice i was like i only want to help black people and then i got a couple other people and i was like okay and then i had a couple white people and you already know how one of them went and i was like i'm not doing this again you know <laughs> but how do y'all cope with all of this shit um, I would say my coping starts with I don't center whiteness anymore. Um, right. And so I think y'all know my racial development journey and all that good stuff. So hell, to me, that's a punch in the face every time. But for me, it's showing up as my my full Authentic self, self. Right? and doing what feels good, even if it doesn't necessarily meet other people's uh, assumption of how a black woman should show up or how a black therapist should show up. Um, it is making sure that my practice is centered around blackness and black women. Uh, I do have two who are not black and they still get the same thing everybody else get. So I'm right. still neck rolling. I'm still snatching edges. We still having these conversations in the same way. I'm not going to switch it up just to right. attempt to appease or to change anything else up. Um, and then I think another way of coping is just, I have to, well, hell, I stopped working for other people. That's another part of it. Because I was like, I have to be in a space where I can control who I'm around and what I right. do. So I remember once upon a time, there was a, cannot remember what it was, but I was having a conversation with somebody white and they were like, you know, I can go a whole day and not see nobody black. Like I can go a whole day and only interact with white people. And I was like, huh, sign me up. Must be nice. But in the reverse. And so right. Because I was like, 
<laughs> yeah, now in the reverse. So now I can go a whole day, days, weeks at a time and not have any interactions with anybody who makes me feel or attempts to make me feel like my blackness isn't welcome or like it's not important. So that that's another way that I've taken back that space. In terms of being on the internet, though, that is always a fascinating space because I've seen white women, white creators who have very large, very, very large followings. Mm-hmm. And I've seen their posts and I'm like, damn, this look real familiar. And then right. I'm like, well, damn, did I take this from you or did you take this from me? And I'm like, well, I got the viral TikTok about it. So, bitch, you must have took this from me. But like you done took out a word or two and don't get it fucked up. Black creators do it too. They yeah. get but you know, okay, whatever. Get your but the white folks tend to do it on a higher level, and it's like famously, and it's always usually like people that have bigger followings yes. getting it from people with smaller followings. Always. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of times it's two accounts in particular where I've seen my exact caption as their post and they got 50,000 likes. And that goes to black ones too. Hmm. I see you boo. See you booze up. But it's like, I'm like, damn this shit. Oh, excuse my blue thing. I'm like, this shit sink. I go back and scroll going back in time. Bitch, I said this two years ago. You thought I wasn't going to realize that I said it because it was two years ago. You thought I didn't see it. So that happens a lot. And I've seen some therapists, black creators call white folks out and have those conversations and more power to them. But I've also seen as a result, they get death threats. I said a long time ago, the last thing I'm going to worry about on this here app, any of these apps is likes. I'm worried about my coins. Right. Okay? And as long as my coins look like what they look like, bitch, you can copy everything I say. Because it doesn't change the fact that what you say there, if it's not transferable in the work that you're doing with people, you really can't fuck with me. Right. So that has been like my, my, and I don't feel good still, but that's not right. how I'm dealing with right. it. And you just have to remember that, like, you can steal the recipe, but it's mm-hmm. the juice that adds the flavor. The so yeah. you don't got that. You never will have it. And so it'll still be bland. Hmm. Yep. yeah i think that you said a lot that i definitely identify with showing up as myself this is the first Mm -hmm. job that i've ever been able to Mm -hmm. out the gate Mm -hmm. you know because usually it's like (laughs) Mm -hmm. pulls out nose ring like Mm -hmm. shit (laughs) you know just like start testing the waters and so it feels nice to show up as myself and let that be felt whatever that and that might stir up a lot in y'all right but that's something for y'all to work on that's not your problem right i agree 100 with y'all um in the school that i work at I am proud of the, I hate to use the word diversity, but it just, it, it is an eclectic bunch of cultures there. And I think the kids do have a sense of privilege of going to school with kids that wear religious garments and have teachers who are hijabi 
and uh, teachers that are black women and mostly men on the staff and things like that. Um, it's different from when we moved to the suburbs and I had a complete culture shock being just, you know, flying milk at that point. Um, mm -hmm. I realized that I first dealt with microaggressions, I would say, or just even like racism from other kids when we moved to the suburbs. Um, yeah, having a crush on a boy and not really, I guess, factoring in, in in seventh grade that, you know, he was white until he made comments of, um, you know, I like you, but like, I couldn't introduce you to my parents or like my grandma wouldn't like this or when, when <laughs> so I was your grandma's <laughs> racist. <laughs> right. But like as a seventh grader, are you, are you collecting that? You know what I mean? You know, it's, it feels icky, but are you making those connections? Um, and so now being a teacher in a middle school and having students of that age um, and just noticing things as they're blossoming. Um, this past week, myself and uh, the other black female teachers, um, it just got away from us with like testing and everything to like put up the new bulletin board for black history month. And I was beating myself up when I left work on Friday that like, we didn't get that done in the first week, mm. you know? Because of course, like February 1st, the kids are, some of them making, you know, kiddish, ignorant comments about Black History Month. But it's like, this is the time now to like, you know, bring the information to them and present it to them and like, get them involved and, you know, and excited about it and, you know, curve their ignorance in a way. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I was, I was beating myself up that I didn't show up for my Black students last week enough with everything else going on. Um, yeah. I think in the past, you guys said it on the head, like, you just have to show up as yourself in these white spaces um, mm -hmm. and, and let that be enough. For those of us that have been conditioned through childhood to minimize ourselves, there mm -hmm. is a sense of acknowledging that and then mm -hmm. consciously breaking free yes. because it is real easy to minimize yourself in white spaces yes. when you're conditioned to do so because of a figure of authority. Yes. Right. I'm glad you said that because that, that literally has been my whole existence. Well, my childhood was around you center whiteness, you do what you have to do. It's about survival. So you're going to sound like them. You're going to go to school with them. You're going to be friends with them. Um, those are those are the kids that you are going to be around. You're going to be in those white spaces, soaking up all of the information, all of the things that you can, so that you can move on to the next thing. You're gonna be quiet. You're not gonna be out here cutting up all of that other type of shit, right? So you're right, and it takes really getting to a point of making a conscious decision of, okay, were those things beneficial? Sure, to a certain point, they they were they allowed a certain level of success. They allowed a certain level of things to happen. And they were also detrimental because I had to reverse. Mine was, you sound like an Oreo. You, uh -huh. uh, why are all your friends white? You think you're too good to be around the black kids? Um, and the white kids thought I was God's grace because I wasn't like the other, the other black kids. The teachers right. thought God's gift. And they'll tell you that too. And they will tell you. Yeah. You're like them. 
then that feels just as icky. And it's like, I'm not, what does that mean? And right. then I'm on the bus and the black kid's like, baby, you not like us. Like, right. you hang out with the white kids. Until I start rapping um, a project bitch by uh, Lil Wayne and the and the crew and the yeah. big timers. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, That's you are a bitch. <laughs> and then I'm, everybody my friend. Right. It's but actually it, duality. It, that's what it is. It uh, is but at the time, of course, I didn't know that. So, you know, you got white people calling you an Oreo and saying that you're the token and like being confused about is that a good thing or a bad thing? And then also you got black kids sometimes wanting to be around you and then sometimes not too. And it really takes like a while for you to be like, okay, how do I want to show up absent of what I've been taught or what I've been conditioned to believe? And it's still mm -hmm. hard. Like it's it still is. Hard to yeah. With the, you know, with the the long locks to your butt and then the nails and the lashes and everything. Like, it's still, and I look at it as an act of resistance every single time I show up as mm -hmm. myself and what feels good. But it's hard. Right. It is hard. And I love to be me. You know, I am, I have a playlist that I play on the way to work and it's called Pulling Up Like. <laughs> and it has Kendrick Lamar, all right. Mm. It has, um, you know, the song that I told you about. I got time today, bitch. I got the time. <laughs> it has um, all of that. Lizzo, it got Saucy Santana, it got all of that because I come up in there live. I got my shit loud. Yeah. And I let you know that, yes, I can still give you the clinical jargon that you need mm -hmm. and i know what's happening i could do a little something pop a little something you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm that girl period so, what was you about to say that's a question but i can wait wait easy i can wait it's a question we're fine keep going okay um but yeah i think it's important to just one, show up as yourself, even when it can feel like uncomfortable, because I know, like um, Jasmine was saying, some people are conditioned to kind of dim their light to just kind of skate by and fit in. Um, but I want to let you know that this is literally your life and you are the main character in your life. And so it doesn't matter what the outside people are saying. Like, if you want to show up as yourself, do it. Yes. Period. Mm -hmm. And the people that are upset at you being black as fuck and good as fuck at your job, let them because that is a them problem. And you just continue doing what you got to do. Mm -hmm. Standing up when you should, knowing when you should, when and how. Right, because you don't ever want to put yourself out of position to like get fired, <laughs> you know. So you want to make sure that you are staying within those boundaries, but you do want to make sure that you do advocate for yourself because you are important and ain't nobody more important than you. Right. Even though people all feel that they are. I think just reminding yourself like we are the main characters of our stories. And oftentimes, we always say like in movies, right? Representation matters. Mm -hmm. And we're often cast aside and letting someone else take that spotlight. Uh, but no, 
you are the main character of your story. Arrive in every yeah. room that you walk into. Period. And in order to do that, you are going to have to unpack your own internalized oppression and your anti-sickness because we all have it. I don't care where you are from, what you have been taught, who you've been around. We all have internalized oppression and anti-blackness because one thing white supremacy going to do is its job. Right. You see, they ain't had no new trainings. The old shit's still working. (laughs) <laughs> and they're not gonna have no new ones so. period not on my watch <laughs> um but yes like the people that only date that don't date brothers don't date sister that's so anti-blackness <laughs> how can you look at a bl- okay when you come from a black woman and you say, nah, women. I don't want like, black women. Literally, you hate your mother. Like, what? You hate Crazy. yourself. And if literally. that's the case, you probably also could benefit from a trauma therapist and doing some work around your mother wound or your mm-hmm. dad wound. Either mm-hmm. way, you have some shit to unpack. Because, baby, don't nothing about that make sense. No. Nothing. We all and no one's saying... Right. And no one's saying like you can't be in interracial relationships. It's when you go to the extreme, like I do not date black men, black women, you know, and then you start to like talk shit about them. Like that's the issue. That's the problem. I don't give a damn who you love or who you want to be with. The issue is when you say I love black or I only like white women because black women got an attitude and this and they that and you can love who you love without bringing down the people who look like you. I promise you. Literally. That's it and that's all. And say that to your mama and see what she says. Right. Oh, I never thought about that. Like, do y'all be telling your parents that you feel this way? If so, how does it work out? But yes, this was a very timely chat considering all the bullshit going on in the world. And so I hope that you got something out of this. And I hope that if anything, you get yourself a therapist so that you can deal with all of the many microaggressions that continue to happen to us on a day-to-day basis. So Go ahead and seek therapy. Remember, you can do what was it you said? Reformer Pilates. Mm-hmm. You can only drink green drinks. You can do twenty thousand steps a day. But if you're ignoring the things going on in your head and in your heart, then you're still not truly healthy. So go on ahead and seek therapy. We all need that shit. Oh. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.